Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist, podcaster and nominee. And I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst. And I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I am extremely keen to talk about that nomination. Well, there's been a couple of nominations, hasn't there? (laughs) But the most recent one... Uh, it's incredibly exciting because Dan has been nominated for a Canadian Academy Award, so a, a Canadian Oscar. Dan, uh, tell the audience how it feels to go through an experience like that. I mean, I'm a very private person. I don't like to discuss <laughs> these accolades. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's absolutely fucking insane and it feels incredible. It was one of those delayed responses when I first uh, found out about it. It, it just didn't really sink in. Like, I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's really cool. And then over the next sort of 10 minutes or so, it like sort of, I acclimatized to the new information and realized, like, I mean, I knew it was a big deal, but it hadn't like seated in my mind yet. Um, yeah, really, really fucking exciting. I know it's a massive cliche to say it's an honor just to be nominated, but it very much is, especially when you look at who I'm up, up alongside. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And and how did like how did you find out? Um, did they send you an email or like how does it work? I, well, I did eventually get an email asking me to record a little audio spot uh, telling them how to pronounce my name, which is lovely diligence on their part. Mm. Um, but actually, I've I found out because uh, Karim, the the DOP, uh, sent me a screen grab of a social media announcement that I hadn't seen. <laughs> uh in the uh in our uh, like our shed so um brandon kareem and rob cotterell and i have a like a little uh, a chat group and uh and kareem sent that through brandon's been nominated as well of course which is fantastic yeah. and uh brandon's response was lovely he said uh he said our statue isn't as good as the american one but hopefully you'll have an opportunity to discover that firsthand oh that's lovely that's fantastic and um, and yeah, they emailed you through. Um, what did they email? Uh, aside from the, the pronunciation, did you get? Oh, yeah. I, I noticed your social media has changed. I know you're a, a shy <laughs> private person, but um, <laughs> there's a there's a bit a on there about violet, the, the nomination. <laughs> yeah, so they with that with the email about the name pronunciation, they sent through a, a link to a, like a Google Drive with all of the laurels in it, so you can put them on your website and your. Uh, uh, you know your business card get them tattooed on your face yeah. uh, but I they have included the winner laurels presumably so they don't have to do a, a shout out like another mail out afterwards um, but you know obviously the temptation is very much there just to start accidentally using the winner laurels I mean spoiler alert but I think on the day of the broadcast you should definitely post a tweet of the winner laurel just saying this is what the winner laurel looks like <laughs> it's factually accurate <laughs> Um, <laughs> then, then enough like returns that the obviously still waiting to find out. Blah blah blah. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Good luck to everyone involved. But enough that it, when it condenses it on the Twitter timeline, yeah. you don't see that. <laughs> exactly. Love it. Um, well, so obviously, good luck. Um, when uh, is the uh, Canadian Academy Award ceremony? When do you find out? Next month, sometime. Next month. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. I think we're going to do a little viewing watch party. Uh, Brandon, Kareem, Rob and myself. I'm very excited. And I, I think before that, uh, the Golden Chainsaw Awards will be announced, I think 
will that be announced in time for a hundredth episode which is brain damage uh just to remind I everyone i believe so this is it's so it's going up on the 18th if we if we it'll probably be announced somewhere between us recording the hundredth episode and and the hundredth episode going up but maybe we can uh maybe we can come back and record a little extra bit between yeah Let's let's see. Let's see. You know, what, or not? Maybe I'm just going to be fucking crying in a room. I, w- I mean, we can also <laughs> record that. That's fine. That can be an extra feature, just the sound of sobbing. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, this week's this fortnight's uh, movie has been chosen by Dan, and and Dan Demons and Demons Two. As soon as this was announced as a box set, you absolutely jumped all over it. You said you definitely wanted to cover it on the podcast. May I ask why? Uh, well, it's such a staple of the Italian horror scene. I think it's kind of, it's one of the most important of the second wave of Italian horror. It shows a handing of the torch to the next generation, literally, and that it's Barva's son. Uh, obviously, Argento there shepherding young Barva Jr. Um, as a producer. I, I know we've used this um, this quote from Garth Marenghi a few times on the podcast, but uh, it, it makes me feel a bit like the the line from Garth Marenghi: "If you're going to read one Garth Marenghi book this year, read this one, all of them." And and uh, this is it, when we see a shot of uh, a compilation book, which is basically so long and unwieldy <laughs> it takes up an entire shelf. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's yeah. But this is this is it's almost like one of those. Uh, they were popular in the. 80s and i think actually maybe argento's name was put to one of them uh in the in the 90s i should say they were popular um the sort of like the clip tapes that would be officially released or like clandestinely passed amongst us in the uh, in the playground etc um where like all the best kills and effects and all that kind of stuff were were just cut onto tapes i certainly made a fair few of my own um and this does feel like a love letter to the uh to the older italian horror cinema but with this sort of like 80s neon gloss over the top of it and uh why don't you do what you usually do which is to bring uh the plot of demons to uh the precious arrowheads though you know considering you've just compared it to a a, a clip reel of special effects <laughs> which is definitely what it is um the plot might not be easy to deliver but let's see dan take it away I mean, plot takes a backseat to heavy allegorical examination <laughs> of uh, the world's reaction to the vo- presentation of violence in media. You know, the idea that these things that are happening on the screen can emerge in real life. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying, I don't know how far I can go with this. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's bugger all plot, really. It's, it's fun. <laughs> You've got uh, two young women get given a, uh, a ticket. One of them gets given a ticket in a uh, sort of very Susie Banyan-esque uh, intro where a, uh, a young mask-wearing Michele Suave turns up, gives her a, uh, an invite to a show. There's no name for the movie that it, that's being shown and the girls discuss the fact they didn't even know the cinema existed. And yet this is the best option for them for that evening. So they go to this preview screening along with a, a lovely sort of ragtag um, ensemble and then the horror events on the screen do start to be sort of mirrored in what's going on to this literally captive audience as they discover that the doors aren't just locked, but that a, a sort of brick wall has been erected around the, or a breeze block wall has been erected around the cinema. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and there are some warning signs for uh, our, our young protagonists, aren't there? So on the tube, on the train, uh, as she's kind of approaching the station, she has a, a vision of uh, the the mask face man sitting opposite her, reflected in the the window, but he's not in front of her. So it's this weird kind of ghostly vision. And then um, when she gets onto the platform, he's following her and she's scared and running away and she goes up the stairs and all of a sudden he's in front of her. Um, So he has the ability to teleport as well as um, be a spooky ghost um, reflected in in a, a window. And I would suggest that I probably wouldn't um except the the golden ticket from from this man who is probably as dangerous as Willy Wonka in these circumstances um, <laughs> as so is proved when they go into the cinema and all start dying one by one and that's basically the end of the plot apart from some random punks that are just introduced <laughs> um you know how do you feel about this script structurally dan <laughs> <laughs> I well, I feel like it's got a lot of like wazoo to it. Like you know, if you like things like rubber and wrong and wrong cops, uh, uh-huh. and to a lesser extent reality, you know, you'll be familiar with uh, the uh, the no reason ethos of narrative structure. <laughs> so so you, you'd say that this is an example of Italian surrealism, basically, and that you know. I mean, it's getting it's getting close. I don't like. I don't. I don't want to say that that was the intent because I I don't know if it was, and I suspect it wasn't. Mm. Like in the extras, they talk about Argento's oversight with the screenplay, and actually, the fact that originally, and this I think is quite apparent, that this was going to be part of an anthology. Um, and so I suspect that this is a 20-minute plot stretched to 90 minutes. But it's, yeah, it, it, it does have this, it, it's not as dreamlike as a lot of the dreamlike stuff we talk about, but there is a lot of, like, why is that happening? There's, it doesn't need to be a reason. It's just things unfold, things occur. There's not even a consistent law to how the demons behave, really. But what they don't do is set up rules about the world and about the about the horror that they then break. So I, I think it's fine for it to be as a sort of vague and uh, and unrevealing with its its internal logic as it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I uh, before we kind of carry on, I should make it clear that I am playing devil's advocate to a certain extent here. Um, you know, uh, our lovely arrowheads do enjoy it when Dan and I argue, and um, this is one that I'm not a hundred percent sold on. Really, this was a first time watch for me, so I don't have that uh, sense of nostalgia when I watch Demons. So I was literally just watching it as a film to talk about on the podcast and um there is stuff in here that, that I, I really like like I, I love a film within a film narrative um yeah I, I made a little more flesh which obviously has that um and i've just announced a little more flesh 2 uh which will play at the soho horror festival on april the 17th and that also has a film within a film structure so i, I really do love it when that kind of trope is used in a meta way and it's definitely used in a meta way here you know i i love the the demon's fake movie is kind of almost ritualistic it's kind of a cross between tombs of the blind dead and evil dead and it kind of shows the cinema audience how they're going to be undone um and that is a really clever premise and 
I actually would have loved to have watched this movie in a cinema um, with some William Castle style effects. And I think what it comes down to really is that this is a film that is designed to be watched in a cinema, you know, almost ironically because oh, yeah. of, uh, you know, what happens in it. Um, whereas kind of watching it at home during a pandemic, you know, solemnly making notes <laughs> about what to talk about <laughs> i mean it, it's just it, it's a movie designed for cinema audiences and has clearly been written uh you know with that, that premise in mind absolutely i mean to be honest i didn't know that, that you hadn't seen it uh and i i might have held back until you could at least have watched it with other people yeah even if not in a cinema because yeah it's certainly a, a, a group watch film it's a midnight movie and it's great fun to watch with a, a like-minded audience uh and i think that i was able to carry enough of that emotion emotional response through from previous watches to just to, to be able to still very much enjoy it just as a home watch not to say that it, i don't think it would work it's a weird one like it i, I think it, it, it works great as a home watch but it when you watch it with a critic mind with a, a note-taking mind that's very much not how <laughs> these work, films work their best um so for that to be your first watch i'm sorry that i've robbed you of that first uh that first experience because it is like a you know shouting and having fun movie yeah. rather than a, a a serious academic study movie yes um as someone who likes kind of punk movies and kind of the punk scene and stuff like the punks as well like they're the least punk people in the whole film exactly i mean they look like, like babies they, <laughs> they look like babies uh, <laughs> and quite aside from their haircuts and appetites for cocaine they are like they're listening to go west on with this soundtrack exactly yeah well um I, I, that's actually on my list of things that i did like about the film so uh, i like that um one of the punks who snorts coke out of a can of coke also has a ring pull earring um yeah that's a real dedication to a lifestyle so i, I kind because, of res- respect that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like all respecting Sunak, punks he do, loves you know? coke he's a coke <laughs> addict like rishi sunak <laughs> and um yeah there's um and and you know just for the lawyer any lawyers listening that is a reference to um an interview uh or it Where was, he said it he was, was a coke addict interview. don't explain it any further he <laughs> was talking to some children and i think they had a kind yeah, of bragging coke about how much he loves coke he couldn't stop talking about how much and he, you have to get but, head. <laughs> but the, to get the real stuff you have to import it from south america uh allegedly right that's uh, what he said that's what he said allegedly by him yes yes um <laughs> we're gonna get off this topic now we're gonna move on to my list of things that i really liked about demons because i suspect that the vast majority of people listening to this episode will love this movie um it does have a, a, a cult audience and yeah no judgments here so i loved uh, the makeup effects the bit with the the teeth was very cool dan i love um, a yeah i love a pushed out tooth have you ever done that i think you have i've done it with nails yes um i've never done no i've never done growing teeth i've pitched it a few times but because it requires a unique puppet uh it's quite an early thing to get cut when people are trying to pull budgets down but yeah it's great fun i love it um and i i like the bit where the guy who has all the bravado like he says you know you can hold my hand uh if you get scared and then he gets scared himself and and tries to hold the girl's hand that's you know that's some nice 
kind of subtext. It's something to kind of get your teeth into because obviously he's presenting a false image of himself. He's almost like he's wearing a mask and, you know, then that falls. But unfortunately, they don't really continue that line of thinking because he just turns into the hero anyway. If I was to remake this movie, I would probably make it that they're going to a film premiere and basically the actors in the movie in the fake movie are watching themselves and they're kind of their behavior is juxtaposed with what's going on in the screen and it can be all about how actors wear masks and um kind of exploring that because there is literally no subtext here is there There's, there's there's no themes it's literally just get these people from one kill to another as kind of quickly as you can yeah (laughs) yeah you're probably right i must say like i hearing you pitch that version i'm quite into that i remember a rumor going around about uh the um nightmare on elm street 3 that the hypnosis scenes had to be filmed in like chunks so that no one got accidentally hypnotized oh wow obviously in hindsight is tosh like whether they actually did that for the sake of publicity or whether it was something invented by someone in a playground uh i don't know but like i like the idea that their occult advisor on the movie being made is like now remember you can only read half a page at a time because it's a real text like it's a real grimoire that's it and then when and then when they cut the movie together it's played all in one go like the tape in the basement of evil dead that's exactly that's what i've got written down here so yeah have the latin in the movie unleash some real curse that locks all the doors and cut between what's happening in the fake film with what's happening in in the real life of um of the movie and yeah i think there's definitely something there and is it the case i mean demons is demons doing that to a certain extent because isn't there an actor isn't the guy isn't suave is suave in the fake movie is that right no no i don't i don't don't think so okay all right well yeah i mean let's 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 not talk about what it could have been let's talk about what it is and here's another i don't don't think it's a coincidence i think it's it's uh the entire presence of this screening is a magical is a you know a supernatural event yeah but it's not made clear because the only kind of real backstory we get is from the blind guy right and yeah. he basically goes off on one about how the whole building is evil, right? Yeah. So, uh, and and also, like, it appears to have already possessed the ticket girl bef- before the movie plays because she's acting super sinister. I mean, obviously, she, spoiler alert, she ends up being killed anyway, so I don't really know what her deal is. But there are a lot of shots of her looking really sinister and evil, like she's in on the whole thing. Um <laughs> But I I think that because she's she's sneaking around with her lover, isn't she? Yeah, I, but I think that yeah, the movie itself is kind of incidental. I don't think it's. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe the building needs to play that movie before it unleashes the demons. But then she gets her face cut. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to ramble now. I know that, but I'm trying to piece together this 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 movie. <laughs> Um, she cuts her face by picking up the mask prop, you know, before it all kicks before off. Before the movie's so, played, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, uh, but I, yeah. I, I like I like the secret room they find that provides nothing for the plot. <laughs> and it's it, just like it does. End. It does provide the movie's best line, which is, it's just walls. 
I like one of them says, well, this is another zero, but I had to rewind it and listen to it because I, I thought he said, well, this is a Nazi room. <laughs> yes, well... Um, Which, when I say them, don't sound very similar, but definitely yes. did when he said them. Yeah, and, and another one on my list. I like the fact that Kathy looks almost exactly like Megan Fox. So, you know, whenever she was on screen, it, it was like, oh, she looks like Megan Fox. And oh, she still looks like Megan Fox. So at least that was something to think about. I, I'm not sure if I'd go <laughs> as far as to call it subtext, um, but, but it was something. Dan, what other elements of uh, demons would you like to celebrate? I mean, I... You know, I revel in its sort of lightness. It's pretty fast-paced. A lot of these, a lot of this kind of movie, movies with this lightness of plot, are often like a handful of, of cool kills threaded together by interminable walking through identical corridors. And while there is a little bit of corridor shuffle in this, it's pretty pretty light. And the movie's pretty pacey. Like, it, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Uh, it gets through it. it. It's because it doesn't really follow any rules. Everything's pretty unique. Um, you know, you never know whether you're going to get a scalping or three people hanging off a noose or, <laughs> you know, a, a crazy moment where someone bursts through someone's back like a whole other person who looks a little bit like maybe they're out of Troll 2 uh, <laughs> bursts out of someone else's back. Like, And then, you know, the helicopter is pretty famous by this point for being a great what-the-fuck moment. But again, I feel like they've got their checklist of things that have turned up in cool Italian movies. And Argento's like, everybody like the helicopter in Dawn of the Dead. Put a helicopter in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, they, I mean, they're the seeds of so many different Italian movies that have been released by arrow in this one film it's almost like cat in the brain in a way this movie as you kind of rightfully pointed out earlier the kind of the the, the clip element of it um yeah and well, yeah I mean, cat in the brain literally was that wasn't it yeah it, was it, it literally was that. shunted yeah yeah and so yeah I, I think it's a showcase for special effects artists and you are a special effects artist um it's, it's an amazing film but for pretentious twats like me who who really like you know meat on the bone as opposed to blood on the floor um nah. like there, there wasn't too much to get me excited but as we say you know this is a film about the horror it's a horror film about people going to see a film at the cinema that really makes the case for going to the cinema because you know anyone who watches this film on their own and then goes to watch it somewhere like the prince charles cinema or whatever the rep theatre is in your area, Precious Arrowheads, yeah, I think you're just going to have a completely different experience and have a really great time if you're watching it with, with other people. So yes, that, that is my recommendation to when it's safe to have people at your house, gather them round for, for your screening of Demons. Do not watch it on your own in silence, whatever you do. For the first time. For the first time. It's, or even it's, like, it's worth... Could you watch this ever on your own? yeah. Do you think? Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun, silly film. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I am in the luxury position of having, or we are, all are, I guess, are in the luxury position of having just thousands and thousands of films at our fingertips these days. Mm. But if you've got the Arrow video player, or if you are looking to upgrade the old edition, because it is a lovely new print, you know, if you're already a fan, then I think it, it serves that very, very well. Okay. All right, well shall we go on to the extras that you get on this because that i mean that is the reason that i'd recommend it i think yeah, there's, it's there's some fantastic 
fantastic extras. I love the video essay on Argento, which kind of starts oh, yeah, with... yeah, Michael with, McKenzie's uh, thing. Yeah, it starts with stuff that we know, but it's kind of mostly about Argento's producing career, which is a relatively underexplored role. Um, and it's got some footage from Door Into Darkness, which I'd love to see get a release on Arrow. And yeah, yeah it's, it's basically, uh, as opposed to a guide to him as a producer, it, it's actually uh, quite instructional in terms of how to build yourself as a brand, as a director, which is very interesting. It basically sees Argento influenced by Hitchcock not just in terms of what's in front of the camera, but what he does behind the camera and how he kind of, how he guided his own brand and, and built it up to something that, you know, people still talk about today. I think that's actually, you know, on top of his incredible movies uh, and he made some of the most iconic movies, it's, you know, let's not forget that. But I think his skill as a brand maker um, is part of the reason we remember him. Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, like, especially at this period, he had access to some amazing people and he had a, like, a fantastic desire to out, like, he was very connected to what people wanted. So he was making great stuff. Absolutely. And yeah, what what else did you like, Dan, on this disc? Um, I mean, obviously it ports over all of the fantastic uh, extras from the previous Arrow uh, editions, but with the new scan, uh, as well as the um, Michael McKenzie visual essay. They've added a third audio commentary from Catalinger and Heather Drain, who do the Switchblade Sisters podcast, uh, which is really, really good. Uh, they sort of back and forth between talking about what's on screen and just sort of dissecting the the environment of Italian film at this period, which is, is really good and insightful. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's got the, the old archival stuff. And obviously, if you get the box set, Actually, I don't think they've... Have they released these singly? I think it's just the box, yeah. isn't it? Uh, then, you know, you've got the second uh, the second movie. You've got a lovely Steve Aletti documentary. Um, yeah, it's packed. It's really good. Really, really amazing. And yeah, and you get a golden ticket yourself and, and all sorts of goodies in the in the actual Tonight. box. Tonight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed Catalinger and Heather Drain's commentary. They're the co-hosts of the Hell's Bells podcast. Hell's Bells, sorry, I said Switch Places. Yeah, no, it's all right. And yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great commentary. There is so much knowledge in this commentary. Um, occasionally it strays away from what's going on, on screen, but mostly it does stick to what's going on on screen um which everybody who listens to this podcast knows that i especially love it when uh commentaries are razor focused on on what's going on in the film itself and so yeah it's this perfect balance between delivering all of this amazing knowledge and timing it so that um it's related to to what we're watching so yeah really really great commentary and they're not easy to do yeah fantastic all right well um should we move on to recommendations based on the film yeah, let's do that. All right, Dan, why don't you go first? Well, so I was going to, but then I feel that there are some very like specific choices uh, and I've actually got a backup. So why don't you go first? Because then if you do recommend one of the same ones as me, I can just ditch, I can cut it and I've still got two left. All right, let's do that. And um, yeah, that's that's generous of you to let me go first. And actually I had similar concerns, so I also have a backup. So if there's no crossover, let's just do three recommendations each based on on the movie. Boom. Um, first up from me is the most risky one in terms of crossover, and that is From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh. Now, uh, Dan, is From Dusk Till Dawn on your list? 
it's not on this it's not on my list of recommendations it's definitely on my list of amazing horror films yeah, yeah i mean i i love this one so much um i think i mentioned before that i was a an usher at a cinema when this came out and i think i saw it on the big screen about 70 times it's one of those movies that i can just quote you know i know exactly what line's coming next you know one of those movies and um yeah there is some crossover there and i definitely feel like now i've seen demons there was some influence from demons onto from dust till dawn certainly in terms of the way the demons look um and the way the creatures in from dust till dawn like what, what they look like and what they sound like as well but yeah it's it's that the, they're kind of different in the and in fact, in my remake of Demons, I will probably use a similar structure to From Dusk Till Dawn, where the first half is getting to know the actors at the premiere, and then at the midpoint, they go to the premiere and all hell breaks loose, um, because that's what happens in From Dusk Till Dawn. It's a gangster movie in the first half, and then it's a different kind of movie in the second half. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, come on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's almost 30 years old, which is terrifying. But yeah, absolutely incredible script like it's just such a fun movie i love from dust till dawn so much and i'll take any opportunity to recommend it um put demons on first then from dust till dawn and you've got a lovely double bill yeah it's an amazing film and they do go well together my first recommendation which i thought you might go for because of the nature of the antagonist uh, is directed by michele suave the man in the metal mask um from 87 uh, and it's stage fright uh, also known as deliria it's uh, another film about people trapped inside an entertainment venue, in this instance, a theatre. And uh, in, this is more of a non-supernatural uh, slasher than a, than a supernatural horror because it's a, uh, a mortal in an owl mask, probably a mortal, in an owl mask, uh, executing people. I know how much Sam likes an owl mask, which is one of the reasons I thought maybe this would be on, do your, indeed. on your list. Um, yeah, it's really, really fun. It's one of the lesser-seen latter-day Italian uh horrors uh or rather i should say one of the lesser seen latter-day quality italian horrors because obviously there are a lot (laughs) out there um and when you get too far away from the well-known ones every now and then there's some stinkers but yeah no uh stage right's really fun there's an out of print uk blue from exposure cinema and then there's a an american uh blu-ray i think from blue underground they're they're both out of print they both kind of turn up on ebay and and the like uh but if you choose between them the the uk print is better quality excellent yeah great great recommend um yeah not on my list but yeah fantastic film next up from me is red screening which i don't think will be on dan's list because this is definitely relatively underseen um it's a jalo from uruguay uh from 2020 which i actually saw at one of the soho horror festivals so home saturday events um now what this is is mitch who runs the soho horror festival um is doing weekly screenings weekly double bills of movies with short films within um those uh screener links um that are all kind of related on a theme and it's free which is kind of amazing i mean it's kind of pay what you want basically but mitch understands that people are kind of struggling at the moment so he's perfectly happy to put it on for free and all you have to do is join the facebook group um and every saturday he does like a little intro video and then in the comments he has a link to the screener um which stays uh working for 24 hours and he's built kind of an amazing community people kind of chat about the films it's really lovely so red screening was at that and 
yeah, it's basically another horror movie set in a cinema. Uh, it is 100% influenced by demons, without a doubt. And yeah, it's basically about a bunch of people who have gone to see a movie unaware that a killer is stalking the aisles. So really fun film and definitely a perfect pairing with demons. So yeah, red screening. If you like this, you will love that. Awesome. Yeah, no, I've not seen that. That sounds great. Sounds well up my alley. My uh, my la- my well, my second one, I guess, if we're going to do three, is it, I don't know. I assume you've seen it. Uh, have you seen Anguish, Sam? I have indeed. Yes, amazing film. Oh, a beautiful movie. Um, yeah, from another one from '87, uh, directed by Big Ass Luna, um, starring Zelda Rubenstein of uh, Poltergeist fame. Uh, you don't realise for the first 15-20 minutes that you're watching a movie within a movie, uh, or a movie within a movie theatre, within a movie I should say, um, the surface level narrative is about a uh, an optometrist who is losing his sight, being controlled by his mother via hypnosis and a big shell uh, to harvest the eyes of the city uh, so that he can take them for his, his own use. Um, but what you realise 15 or 20 minutes in, is that you are with an audience watching this in a movie theatre um, and then things start happening in the movie theatre, not unlike Demons, although in a more sort of dreamy and art house way, uh, that echo what's going on in the big screen. And actually, at one point in the movie, within a movie, he visits a movie theatre as well uh, and the movie that they're watching has sequences that echo all the way through. So you get this sort of like babushka nesting doll of uh, emotional response also the film starts with an amazing uh, warning that they are going to hypnotize you <laughs> so yeah that, amazing there's a uh, again another uh, i think blue underground uh, but dvd only but there's a german blu-ray under the title anguista yes absolutely yeah a great movie and amazing poster as well um oh yeah yeah. the eyes of the city will be mine oh it's just so good um yeah another fantastic recommendation um now for my third like this was kind of my backup uh recommendation though to be honest i was just gonna say it anyway so (laughs) i'm glad you had three um because i do like to sneak in a book recommendation and this fortnight it's alexandra hella nicholas's masks which is uh as you may have guessed from the title all about masks in horror it is fucking incredible um it obviously touches on demons and there's some interesting stuff in there about cinema going as a ritual in its own right but there's just so many amazing movies and masks covered in this book because you know horror is rich (laughs) rich with masks and they represent lots of different things they're not just there to hide people's identity they're also there to um be symbols of power or you know i won't i won't go into all the stuff that um alexandra covers in the book because it's her book and you should just read it instead of listening to me um spoil it all so yeah huge recommend it's such a fascinating book and there are more masks in horror than you realize and um yeah movies that i love like the poughkeepsie tapes are covered in there so um yeah yeah. masks by alexandra hella nicholas massive recommend if you fancy a read nice uh my backup was the church uh also directed by suave yeah uh, a couple of years after stage fright in 89 again people trapped in a space although this time it's a place of worship rather than a uh uh, rather than a cinema or a theatre. It um, it was originally going to be released as Demons 3, although Suave kind of distanced himself from that, uh, from those two in the franchise. 
and he sort of added his own backstory with the Knights Templar, another favourite of Italian horror. I'm looking at you, Blind Dead, uh, and Burial Ground, etc. Yeah, and it's it's great fun. Again, it's got some pretty like crazy, like what the fuck going on. It's a little glossier than Demons. Um, it's got a slightly different tone. Uh, I'd say it kind of sits somewhere between Demons and Argento's Inferno as far as mood goes. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's a it's a really fun one to check out. And it's got a fucking crazy monster head at the end. Fantastic. Yeah, perfect. And um, another iconic kind of cover, VHS cover, that's one that I've... Yeah. yeah, involving that um, that creature. Yeah, I remember that um, from the video shop. Definitely one of the most iconic um, covers. So, yep, uh, yeah. a great movie, great recommend. And yeah, should we move on to stuff from the past couple of weeks? Let's do it. All right. So these are recommendations based on what we've been watching since the last episode. And Dan, why don't you go first? So... Uh, my first one is uh, from 1987 again (laughs) this one directed by Jess Franco Uh, I know some people have sort of dipped their toes into Jess's work uh, and decided he's not for them he was incredibly prolific uh, and a lot of his stuff is tawdry tut (laughs) and not for everybody Um, I think there's there's some gems to be found but probably one of his slickest and most mainstream feeling films although still pretty mad um, is Faceless which is his sort of acknowledged remake of uh, Les Yeux Sans Visage the Georges Franju like French horror classic um, which Franco was obsessed with he borrowed from it throughout his career he'd already remade it once in The Awful Dr. Orloff um, the character of which makes a cameo in Anguish but yeah, it's an absolutely insane, uh, quite sleazy, uh, slightly star-studded cast as well. Uh, Tally Savalas and Helmut Berger, along with Bridget LaHaye, uh, in this like yeah, like weirdly glossy, but still like very like splatter-heavy remake of of Lizzie Son Visage. There's an amazing moment where they uh, they bring in a Nazi surgeon to help with the face transplant, okay, who was in hiding, who's basically doing it for, and I paraphrase, but basically they say you think you'll do it and they'll say oh yeah for the money and a passport so he can go back to austria and the opportunity to experiment on humans again so that should give you an indication of the tone of this film it's pretty uh, pretty out there but yeah he, he messes up the first face transplant they do uh and he uh he goes from delicately removing a face that he's he's cut off someone to uh when he accidentally rips it he loses his his cool and the whole thing just sort of deteriorates in his hand and it ends up with him and and like i'm underselling the effects because they are they are solid in this scene but he uh, he he freaks out and sort of like rips the face up by accident and it's absolutely brilliant (laughs) amazing yeah no jess franco definitely isn't for everyone but you know stuff like vampiros lesbos like there are she killed an ecstasy yeah there are some incredible incredible gems in his collection as you say um but yeah maybe just steer away from some of the later stuff oh god yeah the later stuff's trash yeah like yeah don't don't go anywhere near the last the last like decade and a half two decades of his work but i mean even the early stuff like you're not going to find a like a mainstream audience for films like sadomania but there's some yeah there are some there are some quality gems in there uh it's i think there's an american dvd uh, a german blu-ray has just been announced uh for faceless that's going to be a limited edition um so i'm going to be picking that up great 
fantastic. All right, well, um, my first recommendation is uh, another indicator release, but it's not one of these that, you know, I, I coming out in the distant future. It's one that's available now. It's just a movie that I love, 20th Century. Now, it's one of the earliest examples of the screwball comedy creating several key tropes, um, not least in some of the greatest one-liners ever written. Um, Billy Wilder would be proud of some of this dialogue. It really sparkles. Um, But yeah, it stars John Barrymore and Carol Lombard as a Svengali director and his ingenue actress. And it examines how these power dynamics can shift. Both Barrymore and Lombard are next level, like truly captivating performances um, with Lombard especially impressive. And she was only 26 when she made this film. So it really is an incredible performance Um, directed by Howard Hawks with his signature fast pace. 20th century is an absolute joy and there's some wonderful wonderful extras on the disc uh especially the exploration of carol lombard's career yeah just amazing stuff uh huge recommendation 20th century out now on indicator lovely um my next one is uh one that you're going to struggle to find uh on physical media Uh, It does exist in its entirety on YouTube. I'm really hoping it'll get like a physical media release in the West. Uh, The only Blu-ray that I know of is a vastly expensive out-of-print Japanese digipack. Uh, It's directed by Mamoru uh, Oshii, who did Ghost in the Shell. It's called Angel's Egg, uh, and it's absolutely gorgeous. If it feels familiar to you, if you look up the images, it's because sequences of it were included in uh, in the aftermath, which is out on Arrow in 1988, and I believe it's uh, Roger Corman had the rights to Angels. I didn't really know what to do with it. It's just like a 70 minute weird little sci-fi uh, about a, a little girl traveling a peculiar wasteland with a big egg. I loved it so much. I would say uh, watch it on a nice big screen, but probably with headphones because you want to be completely submerged in the sound. The music's incredible. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's only about 70 minutes, so it's an easy watch. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, beautiful movie. Um, great recommendation from Dan. And I also have a beautiful movie to recommend next. In fact, I have a series of beautiful movies um, because I am going to ask you to pre-order if you're in the UK uh, or just buy it if you're in the US because it's already out. The World of Wong Kar Wai, which is out on May 31st on Criterion in the UK, but as I say, already out in the US. Um, An amazing box set, one of the very best box sets that, that Criterion's put out. Uh, I watched 2046 first or uh, 2046 or 2046, uh, depending on on your interpretation of that title's meaning. And yeah, it's probably my favourite, but I'm going to keep digging into this box set. So there may be future recommendations. But yeah, 2046 is just an amazing film. Uh, I love it so much. Beautifully shot. Uh, the music's stunning the story is fantastic it's like literature in film form and it's got a structure and an atmosphere that's just so completely unique it's almost impossible to explain but uh, it essentially follows uh, a journalist in the 60s turned science fiction author who you know dabbles in um, kung fu writing as well Uh, but yeah it, it, it follows him as he embarks on a series of affairs while living in a hotel and it's more a collection of moments than a traditional film in a way 
it, it kind of gives me the same kind of feeling that, that Lynch gives me, but also Scorsese at, at, at some points. But it's just got a style and feel all of its own. Um, just an absolute masterpiece. Beautiful, beautiful film. Mesmerising. And, and yeah, I can't say enough good words about it. But um, the set is just as incredible. It, it also contains his Tears Go By, Chunking Express, Days of Being Wild, Fallen Angels, Happy Together and In the Mood for Love, which would all be recommendations on different days. Um, so, yeah, stunning set, essential for cineasts. The world of Wong Kar Wai. It's a bit of a pricey set. So, um, you know, do kind of read reviews first. Like, I recommend it wholeheartedly. But I do like quite slow-paced art house stuff. And so, yeah, this box set is heaven for me. But, um, you know, tastes may vary. So do some research. And if it sounds up your street, then uh, heaven awaits. Nice. Can I add an extra recommendation this week, Sam? We're recording this a little later, uh, and I watched something a couple of days ago that fucking blew my mind and wasn't on my original list. Absolutely, but, go for uh, it. It's another Criterion uh, collection, although I suspect you've missed your um, opportunity to get in on the the, the Criterion sale. But um, I just sort of stuck this on like so often. I just like I trust a name plus Criterion, and oh my goodness. I don't know why I haven't watched this movie before. It's uh, Failsafe. You seen Failsafe, yeah, Sam? Yeah, amazing film. Holy fuck, that movie. So I, I watched this in the least appropriate way to watch any movie, which was in the dark corner of a film studio wait on an iPad waiting to be called to set and uh, on a uh, like a laptop. And I... Oh my, oh my God. Like the ending of this movie, my body was like, well, how do we respond to this? Dumped all its adrenaline into my system. I felt like I'd been punched in the chest. <laughs> like, honestly, like 10 minutes later, I was still shaking from the end of the film. It is an absolute masterpiece. It's Sidney Lumet. It's unfucking believable. Uh, obviously, uh, Lumet directed 12 Angry Men. And again, we've got Fonda in this again. Uh, it's oh my it's just so fucking good the thing that i did a bit of digging and talked to some people about it after having watched it and one thing i found out about it was that uh, because it deals with nuclear panic uh and it was being made around the same time as dr strangelove that kubrick used his clout to have uh, his studio buy this film and sit on it right so that so that it wouldn't damage people's response to dr strangelove which is an absolutely asshole move <laughs> In my I like, I like Doctor Strange Love a lot. Like, it's a great film. This is better than Doctor Strange Love, in my opinion. Oh wow! Um, it is unbelievably fucking good, and I've extolled it at this level to a couple of people who have watched it since I watched it, like in the last forty-eight hours. And both of like both of those people, like I've talked about talked about it to a lot of people, but both of those people have have said yes, that was a fair assessment. Like, you know, I always worry when I get this excited about a film that i'm going to over egg it but it feels like it it stands up to this level of love it's absolutely fucking great it's galling but it's great <laughs> fantastic yeah um and i'll i'll throw in a little a little extra recommendation as well why not um basically i recently wrote something and um i sent it to my sister um to you know give get feedback from and, and all the rest of it and um she 
said that my writing reminded her of P.G. Woodhouse, and I'd never read wow. any P.G. Woodhouse, so um, I, I asked her for a recommendation of like where I should start, and she recommended that I read a book called Summer Lightning, which isn't Lovely. part of the Jeeves and Wooster universe. It's part of um, this series that revolves around Blanding's Castle, and I think it's like the third or the fourth book in the series, but reading out of context didn't seem to matter um and it is one of the greatest reading experiences i've ever had in my life it is fucking amazing obviously i was very flattered to be compared to it um i wouldn't necessarily go as far as to compare myself and you know you know me i'm a humble guy um <laughs> but um it's just astonishing absolutely astonishing one of the best paced funniest just most brilliant books i've ever read and there is a kind of relation to film because it really reminded me of movies like kind of trouble in paradise and heaven can wait it, it kind of had that real screwball really really fast-paced smart dialogue billy wilder feel um i'm pretty sure that billy wilder must have been a fan of uh, woodhouse yeah so it's another book recommendation but um summer lightning it's an absolute joy i recommend it dan it sounds like you've read that one yeah i mean they've they've a long time ago like i grew up on uh like jeeves and worcester tapes when i was very young oh awesome um and uh and yeah read woodhouse and war uh and then a bit later like tom sharp as well uh like all kind of i mean doing tom sharp a little bit of a service to <laughs> lump him in with those two absolute behemoths of uh, british comedy writing but yeah absolutely fucking amazing he's it's great stuff i wouldn't have been able to tell you where it fell in the in the series they are all yeah. relatively standalone the blandings yeah yeah uh, stories but they're, they're lovely and there have been loads of really nice uh, sort of adaptations in various media over the years as well so if you uh, if someone wants to sort of dip their toe in rather than committing to a novel there are other versions but to be honest to massively misquote uh, someone I don't remember who. Uh, you may see a bad Woodhouse, but you'll never read a bad Woodhouse. Oh, that's amazing! Yes, that is. A it was. Great it was originally quote. said. It was originally said about Othello. So I'm. <laughs> but, I'm. Uh, I'm stealing it a bit, but yeah, it, it, it applies. But I've got to say, I did get a Shakespearean vibe from um, Summer Lightning. I, I hope that doesn't overstate it too much, but I really did get a Shakespeare yeah just in in terms of the the wit and kind of the structure i don't know yeah. it's just beautifully beautifully uh put together uh, that book so um huge recommend if you're a reader and if you're not then you know that's fine too extra features extra features extra features extra features no extra features but um <laughs> dan how can people follow you how can they watch the golden chainsaws on tv you know what what's what's going on uh the golden chainsaws will be streaming on the 18th of this month on shudder i think it's the 18th double check that please <laughs> if you want if you want constant corrections to the dates i enthusiastically <laughs> and incorrectly give out then follow me on twitter <laughs> brilliant uh i'm at 13 finger fx uh, on twitter and instagram as well so yeah wonderful and yep 
the day before you watch Dan win his award on the the Shudder streamed Golden Chainsaws, uh, you can Don't watch. Jinx me! <laughs> I'm not jinxing you. It's going to happen. Um, there is no one better on that list. But yeah, uh, you can watch my new movie, A Little More Flesh Two. Uh, it's relatively standalone, but it does connect to the first movie. So um, yeah if you can watch a little more flesh on Troma now first, you can sign up for a month for free, uh, on their streaming service, Troma now and, uh, watch the first one there. But the second one will be available, uh, as part of the Soho horror festivals, Soho Saturday events. So, um, yeah, April 17th, sign up for the Facebook group and you can just watch it for free. Um, it is incredibly disturbing, this one it is deliberately designed to make the audience feel uncomfortable um i do that in kind of various different ways so do brace yourself and do really listen to the trigger warnings and stuff but yeah if you are like me and you kind of love horror films that really leave a mark um stuff like poughkeepsie tapes which i've already mentioned on this episode but also things like exhibit a as well just yeah movies that really kind of disturb you and stay with you uh if that's your bag then you will hopefully love a little more flesh too uh which you can watch for free on april 17th as part of the soho horror festival event uh follow soho horror fest on twitter for all of that information and you know you can also follow me at sam ashurst if you want um but really i'm asking you to watch my new film because um yeah i i'm uh, i'm not sure when i'm gonna make another one so uh yeah let's see but anyway that's it for social media type things and promotional type things dan do you have any final words for our lovely audience related to demons your favorite film of all time uh no, I'm just going to leave it at that. That sums it up beautifully. What I would say is that next time around is our 100th episode and we are going to be covering a film that is very dear to Sam and my hearts for reasons that we'll go into on the episode, but it's brain damage. Fantastic, absolutely. And I did just, just to be clear, Dan, I did just slip in an accusation that Demons is your favourite film of all time. I'm not sure if you if you heard me say that that's, bit. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. I'm happy to leave that as, <laughs> just, that says it all. Excellent, brilliant. <laughs> all right, well, um, yeah, please join us in a fortnight for Brain Damage. And until then, thank you so much for listening and we promise we'll be more professional more next professional time. professional next Bye. time. <laughs> Bye.